Welcome to Polly Pages. <laughs> <laughs> Episode where Polly people read pages. We'll work on it. Yeah, books. We can cut them. <laughs> we put the pages together into books. Okay, so we... Yeah, introduce yourself and where we're sitting. I liked that. We should do that at the beginning of every episode. Where we're sitting. Yeah. In case we're sitting in different places. Just, yeah, just describe the scene. Because at the moment, we're together. We are together. In Boston. In Boston. In my bed. Well, currently our bed. I have to say it again. (laughs) Where the magic happens. Where the magic. (laughs) There are stars all around us. There literally are. They're so tacky. They're plastic stars on my ceiling. They're literally... Do you get it? They're tacky. tacky. (laughs) They are sticky tacked. Yeah. Um... Um, (laughs) <laughs> anyway, back to the podcast. I'm Sebastian. And I'm Claire. And today we are beginning The Ethical Slut by Janet W. Hardy and Dossi. Dossi? Dossi. Dossi. Easton. Easton. Can you say her first name again? Dossi Easton. Okay, I feel like that might be a name you can only say in an American accent. Possible. Possibly. Um, so this was published like 22 years ago. Originally. Originally. And it's now in its third edition, and I think it's fair to say it's considered essential reading for the poly community. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read it? I've read the first couple of chapters about a year and a half ago. I've, I've never read it, and I've been poly for eight years, so I feel like a, this a is overdue. But now we're going to read it together. I know, it's been so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we could just... Yeah, let's just dive right into it. So we both read the chapters, and we haven't spoken about it until now. And the first chapter is called... Who is an ethical slut? Us. Me. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Um, And I I originally read this first chapter from the second second edition, and they've they've changed a lot of it, Mm -hmm. which they explain in the chapter. They do. So... I think good changes, it sounds like. Yeah? I think so. Well, I'm glad they, they took out one section, which is like the, they used, they had in the second edition, they had these vignettes. Hmm. Which is, I missed the vignettes. Yeah. You might, you should go back and read them because I okay. think they're, they're quite, they probably weren't meant to be funny, but they're pretty funny. Okay. I'll check them out later. We'll comment it on the next one. <laughs> okay. So, Sebastian, who is the ethical slut? Me. <laughs> Anybody can be an ethical slut. Yeah, it seems to have a lot to do with just persistence, like, mm-hmm. like just wanting to have all the sex and all the love and all the fr- all the friendship, yeah. and just persisting through it until you, you get there. I mean, I, <laughs> that that's not that's not my experience of being an ethical slut. No, I didn't find it like I had to. No. You know, in my personal life, I haven't had to, like, struggle and persist to discover open loving. It's just been, I guess, maybe this book has paved the way and it, I just fell into my lap. Like, this is just the way I am. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah. But that's not, that's not been my experience. But for me, I, I think it's more about, like, how you use words. I mean, I, I think what I like about the chapter more is like words are what you mean them to be like words don't yeah. have to be stuck to one thing so you know slut yeah. can be used very negatively or you can as they've laid it out here like why not reclaim that word and say 
you know, just because society has said this is this is supposed to be how it's it is for so long, like you know, sex is bad and you should have sex with one person and doing anything else is wrong. Like, why don't we say to hell with that? Yeah. And and in this, they explicitly mention how gendered the word slut has been, mm-hmm. and also note how much how much has been reclaimed already. Mm-hmm. So they they do mention in here that the equivalent to slut is stud. Do you think that? I don't. I never thought about stud as the opposite. Slut. I would have said like player or something, but the the connotations are very different. Like you're talking about the same behavior, but completely different. Like hey, player is like a. I can't say it's that. Like it's like a high. Good. Yeah, it's like like high five. Good high job, player. man. You know. Way to and go, then, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, there's a little like far out. Yeah. Finger wag there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like. Whereas slut's always been this highly right. offensive term, and now it's being reclaimed, um, mm-hmm. and and I, yeah, I think that that in a, in a moment kind of sums mm-hmm. up what this yeah what this chapter what this whole chapter is about yeah. is resetting the the mm-hmm. way that we're going to be thinking and talking about sex for the rest of the book. Yeah, um, I mean, but they even talk about it like in terms of asexual people or something. Like it's not slut isn't just about. Yeah, that, that's a, it's different from the first one. That's different, yeah. that's different from yeah. the first and second edition. But so. I think it shows how far the world has come even yeah. in the 22 years since the first one or the I don't know, the second edition somewhere in the middle there. So even if it's 10 years ago, I don't have the date in front of me. But yeah. you know, just thinking about like how these things have evolved and changed or the fact that like polyamory has only been a, a word for, oh, I wrote it down. Since 1992. Thank you. I knew it was something like that. So 30, less than 30 years? Yeah. And, and Well, one of the things that you say in this, which I think is correct, which I'm going to find, is that it's become polyamory, mm-hmm. as a word, has become so quickly adopted into the, into mm-hmm. the English language. Um, yeah, so it says here, the word polyamory has moved into the language so rapidly that we think maybe the language has been waiting for it for a very long time, mm-hmm. and I completely agree with that. Yeah. Like, I remember when I first started saying that I was poly eight years ago, I had to explain it almost every time yeah. that I was saying it, and now it's something I don't necessarily need to explain. Right. A lot of people still have questions, but, like, I don't have to explain what it actually means. People, I feel like there's been this gap in the language right. for a word that would explain what is... Not non-monogamy, which is definitely, you know, it's a, that's like a definition in relation to something else, but something that is right. freestanding, right. different way of thinking about relationships. And Well, that was something else that I, I thought was really good there. Like, for a long time, like, before, without the word polyamory, like, non-monogamy or open relationship was, like, defining it by what it's not. Mm-hmm. Whereas polyamory is just... This is what it is. Yeah. Like, it's like looking at it in a positive way instead of a, like, oh, monogamy's there and then I'm going to do something, di- I'm going to be different instead of, like, instead I'm of just, just going to do, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. Like, I'm just doing this thing, not I'm doing something else, like, than what's normal, I guess. Like, it's, it's taking it from saying, like, monogamy is normal and everything else is something else to, like, yeah. these are all normal and they are all, all their own things that are okay. Yeah, which will definitely be a running theme in this podcast. Seems. So the other thing they do in this chapter is they kind of describe themselves, both Janet, mm-hmm. both, I can't say, Dossie? Dossie, you got Dossie. it. Dossie. Dossie and Janet both kind of describe themselves. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, luckily, without the vignettes that are in the second one. And maybe um, just to kind of, if anyone hasn't read that, just like us, both of them have done very well um, in their kind of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not their only book. They they are very prolific writers. Mm-hmm. And actually, Janet, I think, is now an illustrator as well. She mm-hmm. she I was listening to a podcast and she's like mm-hmm. beginning to illustrate and, and I think she was working on something which was about her children because the, these authors are now into their sixties and yeah. and yeah. they've come like mm-hmm. a long way since this book. Mm-hmm. Um although Dossie is still living in the Bay Area mm-hmm. um and loves it apparently. Okay. The, yeah. There's a great podcast with her in it where she talks about like doing you only to listen to it. She talks like about just doing acid and just like, um, <laughs> and I just have this like it's oh it's really ridiculous to have this stereotype. I have this stereotype as a old woman yeah. <laughs> talking yeah. about acid tripping. Um, I hope that's not is that I hope that's not really rude. Oh <laughs> like it's someone podcasted like, about it, so I find. <laughs> you know, someone like like I don't know my mother's age or something being like, oh yeah, I remember this time I was in the Bay Area and. She moved there in, like, 1967, apparently. Well, she was coming out of a really horrible relationship. She's been very open about that. And this psychedelic movement changed the way that she thought about polyamory and relationships. And she made this... She made this um, declaration to herself that she was going to be single for five years and she was never going to be monogamous again. Mm-hmm. But she still had this these children. And she was raising them and... I guess San Francisco is the place to do that in the 60s. Mm. Um, So that's where she's at. Um, Cool. And Janet actually wrote the first edition of this book under a pen name. I didn't know that. I didn't either. I don't know if that was in the... Was that in the second edition? No. 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 Um, Because she had kids and was trying to... It seems like sort of shield them or, or keep them separate. Since she was also raising kids at the time? Yeah, I think that's now failed. Well, because she said, no, they're adults and she's not worried about it. Yeah, in fact, I think they're actually, according to the podcast I was listening to, they were thinking about working on something which was about, hmm. as I said, like having children who've grown up in that mm-hmm. environment. That would be really cool to see, like... Yeah. Well, and, like, when we're, when we're 61, I'm sure this will be... This will be a hilarious podcast to listen to because they'll be like, why is that strange? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has like five dads, moms, agendered um, people that yeah. are responsible for them. Five responsible adults. Yeah, five, thank you. Five responsible adults. Um, okay. Yeah. So what about the stuff it actually says about... Because I do begin to talk about why... Um, like what a slut is, mm-hmm. quote unquote... And they talk about adventure and boredom. Um, mm. Did you did you relate to that at all? Adventure and boredom. Yeah, I mean it, it makes sense. Like I, I guess it's not really been my how I've lived my life. I guess it's never been about boredom or adventure. It's just about like being able to enjoy whatever comes your way. There was one line that I liked, which I read, which felt more that I identified more with, which was the more love and sex they give away, the more they have. Yeah. Which I've found to be true. Like the more 
I go go through ups and downs, and I found that in times where I'm doing more, more tends to come back. Yeah. You know, like it like fluctuates like, and I don't know. I mean, that may just be like a yeah no natural occurrence, but like like to me like that's been very much true. Like these things cycle, and and like what you put out is what you. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess first of all, one thing to say is like sex is something you can constantly give away and never not have yeah like I, th- I think it's time to abandon this this idea that like every like you're a special like flower and every time you have sex a petal mm-hmm. is ripped off of you <laughs> and who would want us like we can abandon that now yeah like the you're not you're not losing anything of yourself in every sexual experience right and um and so it's kind of like a I don't know this this never ending well of intimacy that yeah. you are capable of, mm-hmm. but you're right. The other thing I want to say is, when you give, you said when you give more away, or yeah. when you're when you're having more sex, more sex yeah. seems to come at you. Yeah. I think it's like there is an energy in that, yeah. and that energy attracts. Like you look more, you just do. You look more attractive. You you specifically. Me specifically. <laughs> But people just look more sec- more sexy when they when they're you know flushed or like their pupils yeah. are dilated and tips of their ears are pink yeah. and if a woman is aroused like her her mm-hmm. lips both kinds of lips I suppose but they become <laughs> they become fuller yeah um, so I think that, that like just on a physical level you yeah. look you look ready you look ready to fuck <laughs> if you're fucking <laughs> if you're yes. fucking more often um, like I. I'm in I'm in a state of like deliberate celibacy or kind of celibacy, <laughs> quasi celibacy, <laughs> quasi celibacy, um, and yeah, now that I'm not, I'm having less less sex than I've like ever had ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, less seems to be flying at me, so yeah. I'm glad I'm glad that you're not having that experience. <laughs> not having less sex, yeah. <laughs> At least one of us is getting laid. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, we can cut that out. <laughs> we can, we'll skip that part. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the the other thing to think about in this is um, they've made a very deliberate attempt to make this language of the book mm-hmm. super inclusive. And I, when I was reading the second edition, yeah. I was like, oh, they haven't even mentioned race, like. Mm-hmm. They're not even. They're deliberately not using they. Mm-hmm. They're using. They're just switching he gendered pronouns yeah. because they were, I guess, eight years ago, ten years ago, was still pretty binary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really happy that they they've put in a serious thought into the language of the, of this edition, and they've also put a glossary in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have much to say other than I agree with that. Did you but... have to look up anything? No. Really? Yeah. Like what? I had to look up a word. Which word? Polycule. Oh, yeah. I know that one. I've never called it a polycule in my life. What would you call it? I just would never call it a polycule. I'd call it a pod. Okay, for for the listeners, a polycule is defined as a network of people connected through romantic or sexual interactions. It is sometimes called a constellation or pod. Yeah. If you look on the Reddit, poly subreddit, people put their Ah, constellations up and it's pretty... The poly subreddit. That's not. That's not defined in this. Book. We're not going to go through that. <laughs> I don't. I've just never used polycule before in my life. Oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't, but I've seen the term before. I, I have never. Anyway, so. I mean, I think it's. 
So I'm I glad the ghost reaper is there, otherwise I would have no I idea. I think what because that was. you arrived at all of this slightly more naturally in your own way, and I had to sort of figure out some of this stuff or fit things that I was thinking anyway and understand how that all fit into my life. Like I read a lot of things. Yeah. Except this book clearly. So now we're circling back around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I think that's probably pretty fair. Like, like why would I need to use this yeah. highly technical yeah. polycule sounds very technical yeah. to me and I guess so does some other language that yeah. that I just don't use. Um, I mean the other th- because yeah. I wouldn't need to. I I mean I think language is sort of it's all what you make of it. It's like labels and I wrote I circled something and wrote labels on it. I'm trying to figure out where that what that was specifically. Um terms get coined termed all the time to describe or attempt to describe the ever changing spectrum of ways in which people arrange their lives. Oh, I like that. Um That's a good quote, well done. Mhm. Um but even that is all about labels and how you define things and I feel like I mean that's good but labels are only as good as your understanding of what's actually going on and how you how you mean it like so which is probably why these things keep changing because people keep understanding things and being open to things changing or to things to doing things differently than people have done them previously yeah Um, so the last thing to mention in this chapter is um, they've put in this this nice little two page vignette. Is Not it a vignette? Um, the way you say you vignette sounds like a musical instrument. This podcast is half us talking about a book and half of us being silly. Yeah. Like um, I feel like that is representative of our conversations usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good summary for all this Um, yeah. So they put in this two-page, um, like snapshot or intro. I like snapshots. Snapshot. snapshot. Let's call them snapshots. Is that what they? Is that what they call it in this book? I feel like they introduce what it's going to be, and they're like, "What's new?" And then, uh, short histories is what they call it. So they put in this two pages of short history of Alfred Kinsey and the Kinsey Institute. Do you want to explain from this? <laughs> From this two pages, this what pages. what the Kinsey Institute and Alfred Kinsey have to do with polyamory? I'm gonna try. Okay. Um, and I'd heard of the there's the Kinsey scale, which has to do it's like like a sort of personality test of sexuality and stuff. But they don't mention that in this. Which they don't. I don't know if they will. But Alfred Kinsey was a researcher of wasps, and <laughs> then he like Sorry, researched can, wasps. Can I just say I lo- I love the line in here where it's like. Kinsey, an Eagle Scout raised in a repressively patriarchal household, rebelled by studying insect biology rather than pursuing an engineering degree. And I was like, ooh. That, wasn't even, that was the least of his rebellions by the end Fuck of Fuck you, Dad. I'm going to study wasps. And then by the end of that... <laughs> yeah. I was trying to come up with a pun there too, like busy as a bee. Something in, insect related, but it didn't work. Um, but so he started as an Eagle Scout and a wasp studier and he collected like 10,000 wasps. And then somehow he got invited to co-teach a class about sexuality mm-hmm. at, uh, Indiana, sexual health, University. at Indiana University. Yeah. And he realized in that class that like people didn't know anything about sex. Like students would come and ask him, the professor, about stuff, and he was like, "There's no research about people's sexual activities or sex lives." Yeah. And he was like, "Didn't like that," and so he stopped studying all the tiny wasps. 
and went out and did like the like a huge survey all across the country. I like, did not realize how prolific this yeah. is. Like it's like the basis for all sexual I mean, health research. It's. Now. I mean, I mean, just like as a, in terms of scale, he did. He himself like personally carried out eight thousand interviews. Yeah. And that's a large amount of the twelve thousand yeah. sexual histories that they combine and. He like went all over America for it. Yeah, he, he like and like all different communities. So like, there's a list. I'm, I can find the list here, but like, like he wanted to really be representative of the whole country, not like to to miss parts. Um, he went to com- minority communities, churches, small town PTAs, um, groups that wouldn't necessarily be public about this stuff, or, or would might be, be like embarrassed right. about it, and like sought them out to have like a wide sampling of different like to have people represented and to really understand it um i just never realized how massive yeah. it was i i they say in this like how much that work kind of um suffered because of the the communist yeah. anti-communist witch yeah. hunts um and i didn't i mean i think because of that i just i never realized yeah. how massive this was so that's kinsey what about the kinsey institute um so the kinsey institute is um because he he got funding to make well him and his his girlfriend his girlfriend Matt. and then wife i guess or partner yeah. I, don't know if they, I think they got married and they were virgins at the time and i guess that's and then they were not by the end of it <laughs> they also proceeded to they made their own polycule they made their own polycule with their research um, research team that's a research team I can get yeah, behind. Yeah, that's like ha! when you want to do research. Like, ding, ding. <laughs> no. <laughs> behind, in front of, on top of, whatever. All, all of it. All of it. Um, so they had this this sexually um, sexually charged workplace, and they got funding and um, founded the Rakinzi Institute for Research mm-hmm. in Sex, Gender, and Reproduction, yeah. which... Um, which even after Kinsey died, the they were still involved with it until eighty two, and I believe it's still running. still going. Yeah, as far as I know, that's amazing. Yeah. So I mean, mm-hmm. that's from. Like, Can I also 50s. say I, I love the I love the term, the genie of sexual knowledge. <laughs> I, however, the genie of sexual knowledge cannot be easily crammed back into its bottle, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's, if I was going to be a, a mystical being, yeah. I'd like to be the genie of sexual knowledge. Yeah. Or the fairy dick mother. Um, yeah. Okay. And I think it credits them with bringing all this out. Like, putting this a little bit more in the light. Like, they're the first people who were like, oh, let's look at this. Yeah, and I think it's well placed at the beginning of the book yeah. as well. So. I think it provides an important So yeah, that brings basis. us up to the end of chapter one. Who yep. is an ethical slut in the book. Anybody. The ethical slut. Yeah. <laughs> a practical practical guide to polyamory open relationships and other freedoms in sexual love oh mm-hmm. in sex and love mm-hmm. so yeah cool